life in three dimensions got me bent and got me twisted. I know I'd upset a lot, but I should probably stop pretending. I don't really hold the key and I can't really push a button. I just step up to the mic and try my very best to bust it, but I ran out of breath. It's tight in my chest. My feet just might fail. I can't stand up. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Racially Speaking, where we have real and honest conversations about race as it's viewed through the lenses of faith, family, and vocation. As always, I'm your host, David Phipps. And also joining me today, my prodigal co-host, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, Mr. Uh, Mr. Two Chains, Mr. Uh, the Social Justice <laughs> Cowboy, Mr. Wyatt, John Mark Walker. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Good to see you. You too. Good to be back on this mic. So, I mean, it's been it's been a long time. Obviously, we uh-huh. talk we talk you know pretty fre- frequently, not on the podcast, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the listeners, let's let's do a little bit of pleasantry since it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, okay. First, um, let our listeners know, John Mark, you're dealing with as we're recording this a thunderstorm. So hopefully, we don't lose power. Yes. Yes. Yep. Thunderstorm. Had a little bit of hopefully, right? Had a little bit of obligatory technical difficulty getting on here, but here we are. Yeah, of course we did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's do some pleasantries, but obviously we could talk for hours and catch up on both relevant and not relevant topics on here. But I'm reaching, yeah. I'm reaching my back pocket for this one. So, did I make this up or did I dream it? Did you not text me during the NBA playoffs at some point, telling me that you watched a Lakers game? I did. You did? <laughs> I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, what, one game. Why, it was fun. Okay, why did you, uh, what situation were you in where you were doing that? Uh, with my work, I was on a retreat, and so we put the game on. And okay. I and I'm, I am always a wannabe NBA fan. Like, I want to follow the games, mm. but I just don't have it in my mind or a grade in the schedule or any kind of thing where I know sure. when the games are on. So I just always miss them. Sure. So I just happened to be watching a game and it was really fun and I enjoyed it. Um, so how was one year, one year I'll be, I'll be uh, yeah. a real NBA fan. How was the experience? It was Lakers, right? Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 99% sure it was Lakers. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, that's like the heart of controversy and contentious topics. Cause you were watching the Lakers and, and LeBron. Yeah. So yep. any like, uh, back and forth commentary with with your mixed company that you, you picked up on that you want to ask me about? No. Because I can, I, I, I'm not afraid to put someone in their place. No, no, okay. no, no um, commentary about that. I did watch Air, though, speaking about basketball. Yeah, okay. Me and Have Caitlin watched that? that. Yeah, the movie Air. Okay. What do you that think? That was fun. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I think uh, it has moved my needle from, you know, maybe LeBron James is the best player of all time. To, I think Jordan is the best player of all time, okay. and I don't think he's going to be dethroned. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay, so that that is interesting because yeah, yeah. I think that I mean this is I I would have to go on too much of a rabbit trail, especially to someone. I don't mean this to sound condescending, but to someone that doesn't know a ton about the NBA. But yeah, see that I love the movie, but I yeah. knew that the movie that movie was going to make more people think this. And right. to me, okay, here, here's my two cents because I can't resist. Go for it. I don't 
think that that has really anything to do with the typical <laughs> arguments that people make for MJ remaining to be the GOAT. I think, like, obviously, I, I still think he, he probably is. I think it's honestly with LeBron, even though he, you know, the Lakers got eliminated, spoiler, didn't win the championship. Spoiler. LeBron was on, you know, LeBron didn't get a ring, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that that innately made the needle move further him further him away from being the goat. I know that sounds oh, ridiculous. I'm not saying that, but I, I think, just didn't know. I, right. Go ahead. I just don't think. Like I think the everyone wants to talk about the on the court stuff when it comes to Jordan because he's not you know doesn't have the best reputation off the court necessarily. I'm not saying he's a terrible person, but yeah, um, like he's com- just a selfish dude compared yeah. to LeBron. It's you know it's night right. and day. But right. because people love to say, oh my God, like I can't believe anyone would even mention somebody in the same breath as MJ, like LeBron. They say, well, let's talk about on the court. I'm like, oh, what? Okay, well then why does the, you know, air, why does, oh my God, he's got the biggest shoe sales still ever and he's been retired for 20 years, whatever. Like I was like, well, I thought, I thought it was about on the court stuff. Like, what does that have to do with, you know? So I'm just like, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, hear you. I just think I didn't know how much of an impact he had on the game itself, on the sport itself. Yes. And because I, I, I never watched Last Dance. Right? Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. No, I didn't. Gotta so watch, gotta I just watch didn't that. know that. Yeah, but um, I still, you know, LeBron is a a better guy. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll see a LeBron James documentary or a LeBron James movie, or Space Jam 2, and I'll be persuaded the other way. But it moved the needle. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not Team LeBron, but I'm just saying it, it did move the needle in favor of Jordan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, you're, you're enti- yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, you know? <laughs> and that as, you know, a non-NBA fan, I'm not, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk so. some off mic, and then I'll <laughs> see if I've, change your mind not to change your mind that's gotta be lebron i'm just saying like this yeah over romanticizing of jordan just just kills me people that know me well yeah. basketball people are like yeah da da da. will you ever stop <laughs> the answer is no but no they'll never stop that that man yep yeah um can play. we i mentioned this before we hit record but i see the mario lego set behind you you uh, yeah you know, i'm not gonna lie man i'm a little disappointed but uh, you haven't seen the mario movie yet I have not seen the okay. movies have been hard uh, right. lately. Hard to get to. I watch them when they come out on my TV, but it's just, you know, hard to get to in person. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I hear good things. There are so many movies I haven't seen into this. What is it? Is it into the spider verse? The most recent. Okay. I don't I even know seen the that title. Okay. But I'm, I'm like dying to go see it. Right. So right. That's one. That's my next up movie, but well, yeah, you know, I love movies. I usually just watch my home now, so I'm behind the times consistently. Yeah, well, look, it's crazy. Like, I mean, back in our day, what was like six months in between theater releases and like VHS, and now it's like a week. Like, it'll leave yeah. the theater if it even goes to theater. It's like, oh, Disney Plus, yeah. like tomorrow. And I'm like, what? I, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I just paid $60 <laughs> to take my family to see it, right. which we go yeah. and we like, you know, we don't want the movie theaters to die, man. Like, so we, we do make ourselves yeah. go sometimes, but it's Me expensive. Either. But I used to go all the time. And now it's like, I probably go just as much because every week in the summer is a new blockbuster. Right. So it's just, it's hard to keep up. Right. Right. <clears throat> haven't true. seen that. That's true. But, um, I, I did recent. So this is completely different. 
updated my life. I recently bench pressed 375 pounds. That sounds like so a lot. I'm putting this out in public for the first time ever. I never post videos, never talk yeah, about Yeah, I was going to say, where's the, lift. you didn't give like the, sh- the shirtless video, <laughs> the high shorts and. No. <laughs> I haven't done, that's not me yet. Was Meg, was Meg spotting you in the gym and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I just want to put it out there that I can bitch press 375 pounds. It sounds like a lot because it is a lot. So I just wanted to share that. That is a recent update in my life. Congratulations. I didn't know it was a goal until I did it. And now I want to bench press 400 pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, that, next goal. naturally, I mean, even I know nothing, but naturally I was like, I mean, you got to go for four now just because you got to go for four. Yeah. Got to do it. It's a nice round number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be looking for the Instagram post later this week. When I get to 400, I'll put it on Instagram. Okay. Tag, tag the, tag the pod. <laughs> yeah. It'll be six more years. Just, yeah. just wait. Oh man. <laughs> uh, so you haven't seen little mermaid yet either. I haven't. Okay. You know, I hear, um, well, we'll, I hear have, good to, thing we'll have to do a lot of follow up with that, some of these. Uh, it involves the little mermaid and Prince Eric and scuttle and flounder and, mm. uh, Sebastian. Mm-hmm. So I know the story a bit. I want to see it. I want to hear, um, Holly Bailey sing. Yeah. Um, I want to see it, but little mermaid yep. Mario movie air yep. highly recommend all three. Really good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good summer movies. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, man, we could, we could keep going and going and going. I know. Um, all right, let's get, let's get to the meat of why we're here. So if you've been listening for a long time, maybe it's your first time, if it's your first time, welcome. But, um, you heard our intro, real and honest conversations about race through the lens of faith, family, and vocation. And I'm going to emphasize real and honest. I think we always are on here. But um, with this particular topic, I don't know what we're going to name the episode yet. Maybe it'll, it'll kind of organically rear itself as we're talking. But we're focusing on accountability, John Mark. And what we mean by that, I'm going to kind of try and set us up a little bit. I think the word, there's maybe not a more appropriate word than accountability. I think when you're talking about the things we talk about on here, justice, we obviously focus on racial justice. And me and you have been talking and have noticed similar kind of trajectories, directions where, I don't know, social media, culture, politics, um, churches, um, organizations really like where the times I guess that makes it sound old but where the times are headed I think as it relates to you know 2016 2020 to now specifically which is where we talk a lot about anyway um, where we're headed with these conversations in particular and I think we're seeing a lot of calls for things like unity forgiveness, um, quote unquote, which we're going to get into this moving on. Um, and we've had some discussions, but just even between the two of us on what we think people mean by these kinds of, uh, claims, I guess. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing articles, listening to sermons, hearing, I don't know, speeches, all kinds of stuff that's kind of falling along some similar lines of where we think racial justice conversations are, are at right now and headed. And we want to shed some light on some of these things. Is that kind of a good setup, John Mark? Yeah. All right. So we have, 
we have an extensive list of things. I won't say things we will hit on, but things that we could hit on. But knowing us, um, we won't get to, to, you know, maybe half of it. But we have a lot to go off of, and I think it kind of all falls under the umbrella of accountability and justice. So, um, all right, look, let's let's start here. So, um, racial reconciliation, diversity meetings, diversity groups. John Mark, we've been part of these over the years in churches through work. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the nature of what we're doing on here, we're not opposed to having conversations about mm-hmm. these things. In fact, we're very pro conversations on racial justice. However, we share a commonality that these spaces where we've, um, not this space, but spaces where we have taken or participated in these kind of situations, um, diversity meeting groups or justice, uh, racial reconciliation discussion groups, stuff like that. Whoops, Siri, sorry. Um, have taken place, and we, I'd say, have had some overall harmful experiences, hurtful experiences, I'll say. And for, I'll speak for me for right now. Um, hurtful in a way that it's turned me off to those types of atmospheres. In fact, I've left mm. spaces where those things were taking place. Um I've stopped leading them in certain contexts mm-hmm. and I'll say two things and then give it to you for a little bit. I've done that because of, or as I sit here, I don't really see anything having changed. If that makes sense. As I talk mm-hmm. about accountability and moving this moving forward mentality. So I don't necessarily have a reason to go back to those same scenarios and places and number two i'm concerned that those types of situations are going to start to come back and arise as these places whether it's churches organizations or you know non-religious places um that's just where we 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 find ourselves a lot um i'm concerned that those things are going to become the norm again again with little accountability of how they've been harmful and done poorly over the last uh, you know, eight to 10 years. Um, so that's, a, I think, a little bit hopefully people are following where we're at right now as we're coming to this conversation. Um, thoughts? Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. I feel like um, we're at a point where, what is it, 2023, George Floyd died in 2020, mm-hmm. right? Has it really been three years? That's crazy. Short, short three um, years. Yeah, that's crazy. And it was like the um, second, I don't know if you'd call it a pandemic, but it was like a, you know, like there was a sickness of racial justice, like George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, all prominent names of black people who were killed around the same time and kind of sparked this whole wave um, so it was like we were in two simultaneous pandemics, mm-hmm. right? Um, and everyone was on fire for uh, some type of change, some type of racial justice uh, and unity. Through, I mean, throughout the world, the world was watching the United States after uh, George Floyd was murdered. And um, 
it feels like the world has slowly moved on, kind of pulled back away from wanting to progress towards actual change, actual difference in um, how police do policing. Um, yeah, uh, how we protect our citizens, especially our black citizens. Um, uh, how we how racism taught, had conversation about how racism has arisen in our country. Like we're, it feels like we're kind of pulling away and then wanting to talk about um, go back to before that ever happened and get back into this kind of mm. like, I don't want to say kumbaya moment. That sounds cliche, but perhaps that is what people are wanting us to go to a, a sense of like, just keep peace, uh, just, you know, maintain unity. And um, it's hard to have peace when we haven't really wrestled with harsh realities of racism. Yeah. And, and um, there's a quote. And if I try and say it, I probably will get it wrong. But it was from it was from a Native American woman, and she was speaking with, uh, I believe, a white Christian man who wanted to start a ministry in her area. And and this Native American woman, she was also a believer, so she also believed in Christ, um, but was culturally Native American, whatever her specific culture was. And the man asked her, "How can they start a ministry there, a Christian ministry?" And she said, "You can't." Um, and he was taken aback and she said, you can't until you have, uh, stood in, and so you have understand our culture enough to st- to have stood in a puddle of our tears. Mm. And I thought that was really profound. The thought of, um, getting to know the hurts of a people group so much that you are standing in their tears right. and then you can move forward to some type of working together in a ministry or working together for some type of greater good. Um, and, and I think I was like, wow, that's really profound. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know who's done grieving over the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, the names go on, right. Um, I'm not done. Yeah. I'm not done grieving the deaths of all those, uh, black men and women who have been killed at the hands of law enforcement or vigilante justice mm-hmm. um and that's just part of the plight of uh black people in our country um and that's just one minority group who has suffered um under under uh racism right in our country and so uh i we just haven't grieved enough to me to mm-hmm. be having these conversations about oh let's come back together let's let's be together um I say, go to the people who are grieving, sit and listen, you know, yeah. sit in a, in a puddle of their tears and listen. Um, stop asking the question about when, when it'll be time and just wait. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know when it's time. Yeah. Just wait. If you have sat long enough and grieved long enough, the time will show itself. So be patient. So yeah. I think that's what I would say. Like um, you and I, and I'll speak, I, I think this is true of both of us, but we are very adjacent to white Christian spaces, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, I work for a, a predominantly, I, why do I say predominantly? It is a white Christian organization, mm-hmm. right? I work for that. Um, I grew up in that. So I'm very at home in these spaces. Um, and like you're saying, I think these conversations are coming. I can feel them. I feel them. People wanting to have them again. And part of my job is to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, but but I'm at home in these conversations, and uh, I don't know. Like when when I see uh, 
black and brown people leave spaces to go to healthier, uh, emotionally, relationally healthier spots. I'm like, you know, I'm like, great, get out of here while you can, you know, <laughs> like, like the mm. movie get out. I'm like, leave. I hope that you find peace wherever you go. And for those who are coming back, I, I often, I've said this to my wife, I don't want myself to be, um, the, the bait in the mousetrap, right? Where, mm. because there is a Brown person there, other Brown people think, Oh, this is a safe community. Yeah. I can let down my guard. I'm like, don't let down your guard. Come with me. I don't want to be the only one, but you know, come with me, but don't, don't let down your guard. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's, I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like, I hope that makes sense. Those are some of my feelings about where we are. Uh, things haven't changed enough. We haven't progressed enough because we haven't grieved enough enough. We haven't acknowledged the hurt that happened in 2020, um, the hurt that happened in 2016. Uh, and then the, the voting for people who, uh, say some really disgusting things about, um, black and brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we haven't moved, we haven't grieved and reconciled with that truth yeah. uh, enough to be just getting back together and having these nice conversations uh-huh. about you know, race, you know? So, yeah, that's gonna, what I'm, that was great. I, yeah. What do you think? No, that yeah. was great. I'm going to bring it back to that too. I mean, okay. I remember I would butcher it worse. So, but I remember what you're talking about with that quote, with that woman and you can't start the, you know, the ministry unless you stand in a puddle of our tears. I think it's helpful to see. So like on one side, I would see someone's pushback to that about, and just feeling helpless and being like, well, okay, I'll never be able to do that. So I should do nothing. Cause I think that is some people's responses. I don't, I think it's fair in a sense. I understand what that means, but unfair in a sense of no, it's, you're missing the, the, I don't know if the right term is hyperbole, but you're missing the meaning of it. And I'll bring it full circle to what I mentioned with the racial discussion groups. People, when I was in those groups, there was, there were some well-meaning people, like some of them are listening to this and that I'm, I'm not, uh, crapping on everybody that I was in those conversations with by any means, but overall, and I don't know if I've even overtly said this on the podcast, I've said it to people that really want to hear in person, but this, I started this podcast because I felt like a, a, a big need, a big void was happening in the spaces you and I are in John Mark, where this kind of thing was not happening. I think people thought it was by having these discussion groups. I was leading some of them. And I just started to realize after, after every time we meet that why don't I feel like that was helpful, at least not mm. to me or my other friends of color that were in the room. Why do I actually feel like down now? Mm. Um, and then I coupled that with, oh, I would have conversations with you or some of my other friends, uh, you know, obviously friends of color about what we we're going through. And we would talk for an hour or so just to check in on each other, just to really talk about what was going on, what we wish people understood and all these things. And I realized I would leave those conversations thinking, wait, this, this is the kind of thing that people need to hear, but no one's here. It's just me. It's just us. It's just us two or us mm-hmm. three or, or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I realized, okay, that some people don't want to, don't want to know. And so that's fine. But I was like, there are plenty of people that do that are coming to these meetings, want to hear these types of conversations, but the atmosphere is not set up to do that. It was set up too much of, 
and we're going to get into this too, too much with the uh, understanding that, okay, this is a group for everybody to share their feelings about how they feel about all you know, X, Y, and Z racism and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And to be frank, that's not, that is not what they're for. That's not what they should be for. Mm-hmm. And I stand by that. Like if you're listening to this, like that, like church leaders, mission, like organizational leaders, stuff like that's not what those are, are for. Yeah. If it's, if it's supposed to be healthy, it's not, you don't, go through a racial reckoning of 2020 and sit down to hear how white people are being affected by it. You just don't like, that is not the time. That's not the place. It's not. Um, that's well said. And that's not hating on white people. It's just, yeah. it's not the time. It's not the time for any, for yeah. white people to feel better or to explain it, where they're coming from. If they want to yeah. come, it's a place to understand the plight, the pain, the trauma, that and that situation the black community is going for. Um, yeah. when, if, if I could jump yes. in right there, I think I think I have a helpful analogy. Um, and then it. I want you to pick up what you're saying. But um, it's not that I agree with what you're saying. And it's not that we're saying white people don't have any feelings or emotions about mm-hmm. any of these racial things, especially being white. Like there's um, there's a lot of guilt and shame that can be placed upon uh, white people um, when when we're having these conversations. And um, I think when you and I talk about this, we're not talking about like individual responsibility towards, uh, you know, you, ha- you individually have something, you're responsible for uh, slavery or civil rights abuses or the death of mm-hmm. George Floyd, right? We're talking more systemically, right, culturally, um, or the country that you know, has responsibility has, has it has done wrong. Um, I would say responsibility is different that we're all responsible for moving forward towards racial justice. But um, we, we don't want to like say white people don't have anything to say or not anything to feel about this. Correct. Um, but it, there is this uh, when somebody is going through grief, when something is happening and somebody is like, um, physically or emotionally hurt, whoever it happened to, that is the epicenter. And the closer you are to that epicenter, um, the more grief you have. Um, so, uh, say, you know, uh, a spouse dies, then the living spouse, the husband is the one who's closest to that. And then, um, a friend of that husband is one step removed. And then like a friend of that friend is a third step removed. And so you don't go, the friend of the friend doesn't go dump all their grief about, Oh, I'm so sorry you lost your wife. Like it's so painful. The friend doesn't go and is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, we had such good times. You you let your friend, the closest person, grieve out. Everyone grieves out to somebody else. So when we're talking about like the experience of um, we'll say uh anti-Asian hate, when we see a video of that mm-hmm. happening or we hear about that happening, um, I'm not gonna go pour out my emotions of how how much it, it's hurting me that I, I know that there are black men beating up Asian or elderly Asian women, women or, or men mm. to you, right? I'm, I'm going to let you grieve. I'm going to say, you know, I hate it, but I'm not going to dump everything on you. And, you know, when there's a video of a, the next video of a black man being shot, you're not going to come and pour all your grief out on me. You're going to see how I'm doing. You're going to check in. So mm. we grieve out. So in these types of um, meetings, I think it's helpful to go in knowing, other people have things that, that I need to hear. Um, they're going to grieve, and then I can take my grief somewhere else outside of this meeting. And I think that might be helpful for uh, the white audience to understand that in these these meetings, when they're done well, 
Um, the grief, it should be a space for those who are most closely affected by it to grieve um, and yeah. those who are not to listen. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a long <laughs> explanation. No, absolutely. But, that was a fantastic yeah. example and kind of, you know, piggybacking off what, what I was saying, which I was already, you know, we were, we were both doing that. No, that, that's great. I think, yeah. um, and, you know, listeners stick with it. We are going to get to, I think, some practicality towards the end because we're not, we're not just doom and gloom. We're not doing this episode to just complain, but more just to discuss where I think we're at, things are headed and why we, you know, it, it's so important to, not let this just kind of coast by um, that where we've come from since, you know, we keep referencing 2020, but 2020, whatever, um, 2016. It was a big moment. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. It, that was another moment. <laughs> we have quite literally put too much of ourselves into this, in this little space and platform to let it go by without um, kicking and screaming, you know, to not let that happen. Um, without some change happening. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, let's keep going. Some examples, um, you know, are the Christianity Today um, article came out, I think, a month ago or so now. There's others like similar articles to it. It wasn't an egregiously bad article or anything, but we're bringing this up because it was one that, again, I, I even think it was well-meaning and I don't want to sound lacking in compassion when I say this, but I thought, and I want to hear what you think, John Mark, the, even the title, what I think was, um, it's time to forgive each other for the, the sins of COVID or whatever and move forward. Mm -hmm. It's this Christianity Today mm -hmm. article. Um, they've put out a couple that were like this, and I, I like some of the stuff they put out, but it was... I thought it was very heavily focused on how difficult life has been for specifically white pastors in church. Like they referenced mm. like surveys and stuff of just how hard their jobs have been pastoring uh, the church mm -hmm. and the contentious church. And I, that says something to me, like a Christian Christianity today organization that that that's what, they're putting out in this moment, you know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like it's mm -hmm. lacking that in and of itself is exactly what we're talking about. Lacking accountability. Like I'm not lacking in compassion for a Christian leader. We, we are some of them. Like I, I know in a, in a way, like what that's like to be at in a leadership position and then have weight on mm -hmm. you of stuff you've mismanaged or just the weight of, there being some really difficult stuff that you are responsible for shepherd or shepherding. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just think that that is an interesting thing to really, to really focus on because I think in and of itself, it lacks some accountability of, okay, well, why has it been this difficult for them? And yeah. I'll be honest, like I, I, I just can't ignore that the culture has not prepared us for a 2020 in those moments and a white pastor, quite frankly, pastors in general, Christian, like the lead Christian leadership, I've included us in that in some way, like is responsible mm -hmm. for that. So it's almost like, yeah, 
like it, it's naturally it naturally is going to be really difficult because of how unprepared or how conditioned we are to resist some of the things we are challenged with specifically in that moment racially speaking covid speaking all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. just completely deer in the headlights or completely ignorant or resisting um all that compiles and i can't just help help but think well that of course it was really hard um mm-hmm. so I, I i don't want to lack in compassion completely but i i've got to be honest like seeing multiple articles focusing on that as the focus of what's been difficult about a 2020 moment is yeah i'll be honest like it it is frustrating and uh confusing to read sometimes Mm -hmm. i mean what are your thoughts you read the article yeah yeah i did i did and as I recall, it was mostly about um, COVID, right? It was mostly yeah. about like the decisions around meeting in person, masks or no masks, like uh, those types of things, right? Um, COVID protocols, uh, which was it was divisive. Like, yeah, it people left churches, split ch- churches over this, um, which was not which was not completely um, not linked to other cultural stuff, right? That, yep, that's that's what I was saying. The article talks a lot about COVID, but I don't remember it talking much about um, the wake of uh, or the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and the um, the protests, not riots, the protests um, that were going on uh, in that time at that time, uh, which were also divisive, right? If your pastor didn't address uh, the death of George Floyd, that means something, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Part of the reason we uh, switched uh, churches was because of the way that the church we were going to didn't say much about it at all. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it was us and, and a group of predominantly people of color, predominantly black people of color, um, who kind of floated away um, during that time. Um, but it also felt like a lot of those people who held the view that we should talk about racism. Uh, also held a view that we should uh, be distanced or have masks. It was like, it felt like those were the lines mm. drawn, you know? Um, yeah. So this article, I feel like it kind of ignored uh, or downplayed or completely forgot about. Um, instead, it called it political things, uh, but it didn't go into um, some of the, what are those reasons why we had such tension and such division in that time. Um and like going back to, to what I was saying earlier, I don't think a lot of churches, uh, predominantly white churches, have uh, really dealt with the grief of racism in our society uh, yeah. to a point where they can welcome in uh, people of color. It feels like there was progress made, um, and maybe it was like undercover, right? Um what, what did Kanye say? Racism still going on. They just be concealing it. I don't always want to quote Kanye. You know, it's kind yeah, of a controversial thing. <laughs> this is this was Kanye a long time ago. I did a that long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, but you know, like like it was it it exposed a lot of things. Mm. When um, when times of trouble comes, uh, it shakes away all of the the front that we're presenting. The nice shiny faces the nice happiness, right? It, it kind of shakes it all away. And it exposed uh, a lot of things about um, do, how far do we really care about what you say about, about black people, right? Yeah. Um, 
do, does our country really value black lives? Um, and then it sort of exposed a lot of lines and it left a lot of these pastors with, with this huge hole in their thought process or their theology or um, whatever they were teaching. It, it helped expose them as like, I don't know how to handle this. Like I only mm. can pastor when times are relatively peaceful. There might not be peace behind the scenes. There might not be peace in people's lives, but you know, who shows up on Sunday, that's peaceful. And that's when I can pastor. And so yeah. there was an earthquake and a lot of these pastors had, had to fall away. And uh, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think it's, it's hard to move on. It, the, I mean, the title itself, right. is like, it says it's time to forgive each other our pandemic sins. Right. Yeah. Okay. That I mean, was it's the not title. even a question. Yeah. It's not even a question. It's, it says it is time. It's time. It's too uh, much. And I'm just like, like who, how can you tell somebody right. when it's time for them to forgive? You don't know what they've been through In and all the things that were piled on. Right. That's not on, it's not your job to play God, uh, in somebody's life and say, it's time for you to move on. It, right. You can't. So I'd, I mean, I know titles are like, that's what the editor does. So this is an editor thing. The writer mm. might not have made that title. You may have, but um, yeah. So I just, yeah. it's hard. It's hard for me when I hear people say it's time to forgive. It's a very yeah. individual, which I'll, again, I'll get into this too. It's a very individual thing to say to somebody. Like, I think you can, it's okay if you're in a relationship with somebody to say like, yes, like, and I, we're two Christian men. Like we believe in forgiveness wholeheartedly. There is a time, like once a certain amount of time has passed and that's subjective. Um, it's time to forget for sure. But to corporately say that, and then our, like is, I said this to you, I think today, but um, uh, that the notion to say something like that is a little bit too, to me, it's a little too adjacent to two wrongs make a right type thing. Mm. Which, you know, the flips, like we grew up hearing two wrongs don't make a right. So I, I think it's a little bit like, saying that it, it almost like it's like an equation like okay things were contentious it's time to move on time to it's time to forgive each other and it's like without any specificity which i know is a whole article but it's just a it's not like i'm saying coming back to accountability it's not specific on what what happened i'm not i'm really not trying to say hey me and to our listeners like john mark did nothing wrong in the last in these conversations in the last however long, but it's hard not to read something like that and hear this. It's not just this article, but um, this consistent thread of, okay, we guys, we just need to forgive each other and move on. It's like, well, that that's what I'm hearing is, you know, some things that we have all done that are wrong. And I, I don't like see it that way. I'm not saying I've not done anything wrong, but mm-hmm. as far as what I know, what you, not you, John Mark, but like, you know, a random person, like what I know that you know about me or what happened is that you see that I left the space or you see that like, I am outspoken about racism now. And what I'm hearing is that's part of the contentiousness. So let's all just mm. forget about it and move forward. Drop like, it. And yeah. it's like that, that no, no, no. Like that's not, I left and many, many, as we've referenced people that look like us have left spaces, have been traumatized, have been hurt have dealt with racism egregiously and dealt with silencing 
over these last few years to the point where it's been extremely traumatic. And I'll say yeah. life-changing. And uh, it, it's come at the hands of some wrongdoing where there's been no, an account, no accountability for. And so to say, mm-hmm. like you said, to tell someone, play God and say, let's move forward together is, is wrong. Like mm-hmm. in and of itself, like is, is, is wrong. And so, again, I'm not saying all that to say, hey, we haven't done anything wrong. Uh, you know, like we've done everything. I'm not saying we've done everything perfectly, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, overreacted to everything. I think that's too often what people want to hear of like, okay, do you guys, ever, you know, the black and brown people finally admitted they overreacted to, you know, 2020 or January 6th, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, that, I mean, that that's like, literally never going to happen. I'm not being stubborn. It's just that is not what happened. If that's what people think was mm. the sin that we need to forgive each other, like I, that's not right. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I, I, along with that, I would love to have more conversations with people that think there's wrongdoing and doing what even we're doing right now and speaking up about the stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I would love me to too. hear some actual people Tell me yeah. this, and I'm going to say one last thing before I turn it to you for again, but like I'll paint with a broad stroke in my mind for one second, and it's I I want people to be brought together. Like I want there to be unity. Mm-hmm. I want that to be clear because I don't – I think maybe people think we don't – I don't know. I, I want that to be, to be clear. I do want there to be unity. If I were to look back at my texts, my DMs, emails or time travel and go back to in-person conversations over the last few years. Again, painting with broad strokes for a second of people on the right and left. This whole notion of we all need to get together and have these well thought out conversations as, you know, as maybe like as angsty or upset I've been at times over the years, I've always probably more for sure more than a lot of people would like. I'm always an open book and willing to talk about these issues. Like at the drop of a hat, if someone wants to, I'm there. Like I'm an open book. I have to be the nature of this. I'm not going to be a closed book in this. You can't be. The calls from people opposing who just want to have these, these conversations and that accuse people like us of not being willing to have these conversations. Like in my short or like singular experience in myself, I'm speaking for myself. If I were to look at old messages and stuff like that, like, people opposing me posting something or speaking up about something along the lines of like racism and stuff who quite honestly have, you know, at times come at me aggressively. I have like done nothing but like arms up and just been like, all right, like let's talk. And like extremely like probably even uncharacteristically gentle, like entered into those conversations Mm -hmm. more often than not, like way more often than not nearly always when I respond and maybe they'll respond once, then we'll respond and have like, I, I genuinely think like a good conversation. I was like, okay, wow, this is a good conversation with somebody who I vehemently, vehemently disagree with. Ghost me. Not even like, okay, I don't know if we can agree. It like gives me like a closure statement. Like we're not going to talk anymore. It's just like ghost That's me. I have funny. like, like huh. tons of DMs, like stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, well, so this whole thing of like, let's have these conversations. In my experience, I've tried and continue to try to have these conversations. Mm. And it's like, well, I thought we we're having a conversation. And now all I can, all I can assume in that is you don't like what you, what I said or like the article I 
told you to read after I read your article Mm -hmm. and then now you don't want to have a discussion about something like something isn't, isn't adding up. That's not everybody, but that it's, it's been a lot of people, man. Like if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have zero DMS. Oh, yeah, we did. We did go over that. You don't. Do you know what a you don't know what a DM is, John Mark? I know what a DM. I I know what a DM is, but I have nobody. Nobody reaches yeah. out to me. I mean, I'm happy to engage too, but you got to get get me on that odd time. I check uh, my social media. You got to post some more <laughs> controversial stuff. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Yeah, that's also true. I do not post controversial mm, stuff. Yeah, but I, I'm. Yeah, I'm down to talk about it too. I'm here to have conversations. Um. You got to, you know, like you said, you ha- we have to, if we're, if we're going to be with this platform, you know, we have to be available to talk to people who are willing to engage in good faith conversations yeah. about this. And I too would be curious to see, like, I don't know who this author is, um, but I would want to know more specifically what pandemic sins. Um, he thinks that people who, uh, protested police violence against black people have, you know, in doing that, like what, where's the sin in that? Um, yeah. I'd be curious to hear like what needs to be forgiven. Maybe he wouldn't call mm-hmm. it a sin. I think that's just, you know, fancy language, but what needs to be forgiven, uh, in that, uh, protesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I'm would curious. love it. Would love the candid conversation. I never protested in that time period, but I did go to see the Lee, idol monument mm-hmm. sorry um taken down <laughs> i went to go see yeah. uh, the lee statue removed um and i'm curious like i'm sure that would the knowing that i went there and celebrated uh would probably rub some some christians the wrong way mm-hmm. and then there would be tension between us because i'm celebrating this um slave owner coming down but they're seeing this virginia history you know, leader, man that they honor coming yeah. down. Um, and so I'm curious, like how this author would, would have us, uh, would counsel me and that person to have a conversation about how do we come together mm-hmm. um, in unity, you know, yeah. around that. And yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I'm curious. Isn't, I think Russell Moore is the editor in chief of, of CT now, which really? is, I typically, not trying to elevate anybody, but agree with a lot of stuff he says on this stuff. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, me too. I mean, we could easily get him on here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let me ask one more thing, and then we'll take a quick break and then um, get into a few other things. Uh, do you see um, thoughts on black leaders? sometimes black pastors speaking to predominantly white spaces and in, in the midst of that putting down the black community. Do you understand what I mean by that? I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I listened to, as we, we both listened to a few sermons recently of, um, uh, we're, we're going to name the person right now cause it's not super far removed from us, but, um, Great guy, great guy. Like I, I think he does does a great job, uh-huh. but is an example of something that he he's not unique to him, but I see. Um, and it's subtle. I think maybe only maybe people like us were gonna pick up on it, but it, it bothers me. So mm-hmm. 
well-meaning, good, like, again, unifying conversation about race to black and white audiences and congregations. Yeah. But I, I see this, what I just said of um, often, I, I, I just want to hear your thoughts. Like it can, they can say things sometimes that come off as, well, it sounds like you're putting down your community in front of all these white people that mm-hmm. I know you're not egregiously meaning to, but it, yeah, it feels yeah. like it's like, whoa, why are you? It feels like he's having a conversation that he, sh- you know, is should be had behind closed doors with yep. with the black community. Yeah, I think I'll say I think I'll say it this way. I think when <clears throat> someone of a cultural minority or ethnic minority or racial minority group, uh, in this case, a black man, gets up and uh, speaks in front of a white audience. Um, they have a responsibility to represent their race, cultural community in the best light possible. Um, because, uh, and this is a problem with how people view people, but because majority culture audiences, whenever they hear a black person uh, say something, they're like, oh, all black people believe that, yeah. right? They're, they're good at tokenizing uh, uh, black people, uh, people of color, um, and, and making them representative of their entire diverse culture, community, mm-hmm. people group. Um, <clears throat> so they have a responsibility to, to present in the best light possible the people that they're representing and coming from, just because that is a reality, right? Will it always be so? I don't know. But that is what I'm saying. I think it's true. You got to present it in the best light possible. So I think what we heard was um, – this black man had conversation with some black friends and it seemed like they were also pastors and they said, when are you going to come home? So he's a pastor of a predominantly white church. They're like, when are you going to come home? Meaning to a predominantly black church where he grew up. Right. Um, uh, And he said, what did he say? He said, I am. What do you mean home? Like I am home. Like this is home. This is family. This is home. And like, he said that in front of a white audience, but like, yeah, well, he we, said, he know, said, we know I, what he means. I think it was worse than that, to be honest. Like, I think he right. said, I am home, but he said, I am home because my yeah. whatever salvation or something isn't found in the, yeah. something like the color of my skin. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I couldn't help but notice. And it was, you know, it was a podcast or it was a sermon, but yeah. it was on a podcast app. And a lot of cheers. That's the one time where I picked up on like, I mean, super loud cheers yeah. at a big church. And I, I just like, that yeah. he's got to he's got to read the room literally he's got to know what people yeah. what the white audience is taking from that like to me it's just it's it for him to be what he is like honest and talking about his experience with racism and explaining that to people coming back to like the yeah. diversity meetings or discussion groups like sharing that with the white audience is helpful but then to then say, oh, and then it's, it's again the two sides thing. It's then like everyone, yeah. like two wrongs make a right type thing. It's like, or two rights make, I don't know, but like you, you guys get it. Yeah. Like, but then to be like, and then the black community also did this. And I disagree with that. So like I'm getting pushed yeah. back from both sides. So that's a good thing. It's like, no, that's emboldening, giving people a pass to say like, okay, so black people did wrong things. White people are doing wrong things. Yeah, right. We all just need to come together. It's like, n- n- no. Yeah. That's not what he's so, saying. Yeah. So, yeah, my issue with that, like, he knows what his, his black friends were saying. They were saying, yeah. come back to the community, not leave Christianity, right? The thing but is, they could even be like, wrong, right? Like, I mean, I don't agree with, like, I get what he's saying. I'm not saying I agree with that person that said it to him. 
Right. But he's got to, like, yeah. white people don't understand the the right. racial trauma that, that they are saying that from. Right. And so that's why yep. I think it's yep. problematic to say that at a predominantly white megachurch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I keep yeah, cutting so you off. There, I mean, there's two things at play. The, he, uh, he pitted being a Christian and that community against being black and that community. And those things are not intention or in conflict. They don't, they don't necessarily need to be mm-hmm. intention or in conflict, right? Yeah. You can be black and Christian and it doesn't matter which word you put first. That doesn't put priority on which one you are. Right. Um, let's see, this might get a little theological for a moment. So bear with me, but, uh, uh, as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit comes along inside of us and and leads us, teaches us, guides us, directs us in how we should live, right? Kind of transforms us into being more like Christ every day, right? Um, and so in the same way, um, for a community of believers to come together uh, and be growing individually in that way, communally, um, we'll see things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control be the fruit of a community that follows Christ, right? Um, and that comes in to act with our culture um, and makes those things shine through our unique ethnic cultural expressions or racial cultural expressions. Um, but it doesn't conflict with them. It doesn't like make yeah. all of them just disappear. All of a sudden you're just this blank slate without any culture when you become a Christian. But, um, but it, it makes everything shine and reflect the goodness of God back culturally right Mm -hmm. so um they're not they're not i don't know what they're saying but i don't yeah Yeah. it's just when he said that he made it seem like they were saying being black is more valuable than being christian um and he 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 just completely kind of ignored that he is at a predominantly white cultural space and they're saying come back to a black cultural space and he made it black versus christian but there is no just one Christian culture, yeah. but but the culture of Christ infuses um, all cultures that it touches with goodness and light and love and you know all those good things that I just said. So, yeah. um, like I, going back to you know what I said, like if you are in front of a, of a predominantly white audience, then you need to be extra careful with what you say because they're going to think that all people that look like you believe whatever you're saying that yeah. you are a representative. So, um, it's family business. He, he yeah. was told those things in a conversation, um, before, you know, black person, a black person. And he brought it before people yeah. who don't understand the context, don't understand the culture, don't even understand the reasons why somebody would say that. And he just left it out open for them to be judged and condemned. Um, and you got to keep family business, family business. If, if they're not going to be invited to the cookout, don't tell them about the conversations at the cookout. You know what I'm saying? Right. No. Yeah. Right. And I think he would probably say where they are invited. And again, this whole day stuff, we're not trying to be uninvite people, but you just got to. Yeah. The cookout, I mean, it's you gotta like, be wise. You know, black conversations, black spaces. Right, right. Right. That's, that's what I mean by the cookout. The whole life. I'm not saying like community altogether. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. you'll be invited into the lives of black people. But the most intimate points of uh where we need this race this space to uh ha- hold racial tension to talk about have freedom to be black to, to not explain ourselves um or or asian or uh whatever cultural expression you have um you need those spaces um, yeah. 
And that's what I'm talking about. That happened in a black space and he brought it before white space. Yes. Uh, nobody in that audience is ever going to be able to be in a black space uh, like that because they're not black unless they're black. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's just by, it's just nature. It's not like they're being excluded from anything. It's just reality. Like I can never be, you know, if I ever enter into a woman's space, then I change that space. It's no longer a women's space. Yeah. It may be predominantly women, but it's going to be different because I'm there. So similarly, um, yeah. culturally, uh, they're just not going to, you cannot, you can't share what has happened in a private cultural space in a, in a public broad, uh, majority culture right. space after that. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by cookout. Right. <laughs> that did remind me of something. And again, we, we didn't name names for good reason, but I, again, a lot of what he said, I think was fine. It, it did remind me, I think I, I, this one's actually a little more egregious, I think. And I, I'd wonder what you thought. And it also reminds me of something else that I heard um, in a conversation a few years ago, but he also said, I think he gave the example of, you know, being a black man, having bought a house. Um, down, well, I won't say where they live, but um, uh, bought, bought their house where they live now. I guess a predominantly white area, you know, as a black man. And he essentially was giving, you know, the example of he had been conditioned and taught to make white people feel, don't make white people feel uncomfortable. And so he talked about walking down his street, saw, a, you know, I don't know, middle-aged woman, I think, white woman yeah. coming, going to cross paths with him on the street. And so he just naturally crossed the other side so that nothing happened or she didn't feel uncomfortable Mm-hmm. or didn't get into any, you know, kind of incident or anything. Again, same sermon, he's bringing that up. And I'd wonder what you think about this, was saying like, he, you know, he grieved that he had, that he did that, right? He was mm-hmm. upset with himself that he he did that, and he blamed, you know, racism on it. But just, it, it was almost, he was kind of like beating himself up over it and beating, yeah, beating he, the he teachings. Yeah, he he thought that he like maligned that woman's character without even knowing her, right. like thinking that she would have had that thought. Like but, he was mad yeah. that he thought that about her. And I get, <laughs> yeah, I, thought about her. I yeah. get the well meaningness of like, don't judge yeah. a book, but cover the old, you know, no yeah. thing we've always heard. Let's not be, let's not be naive. You know, like the me too moment movement happened too. Right. That's something we also went through right. over the past, you know, five years, like, uh, keep women safe. You know, like if, if, it does, I, at that point, <laughs> I'm not advocating being colorblind, but it, in that situation, you know, black woman, white woman, Asian woman, like whatever, I'm going to give her space because I'm a man and she's a woman out in public yeah. by herself, you know? So like, I get what he's saying. Know? Like, I want there to be yeah. a world where that doesn't have to happen type thing, but to, yeah. to say like, I, he's got to be again, predominantly white space teaching on race. And this, this wasn't like yeah. a sermon where this is just a random thing he's talking about. It was like, that was what the sermon was supposed to be about is really problematic. Yep. Like, I think that it, again, it is problematic. again was yeah. ignoring uh, the stuff that happens to black and brown people walking down the street yep. or in neighborhoods because in, they, in like, white neighborhoods, yep. it, it does happen. Like they end up dead. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, to so, blame, to frame yeah. it, to frame it that there, he did something wrong. Again, I get it. Like I, you yeah. shouldn't, I'm not advocating for let, Hey, judge people, but right. I, to just skirt around the cultural or like history, what's happened, even recent history of like, it feels no, a bit irresponsible. Yeah. It's complete. 
because that's again yeah. something that a white person who doesn't want to talk about this stuff or like admit that it exists is going to be yeah. like, oh, see, he doesn't, he doesn't want it to be this way, so it must not be this way. Like all the like, it's not but happening. It is this way. And I had yeah a lot. Of, I've heard different examples of that over the years. Like I heard, um, I had somebody talk to me who's close with the police in my area and uh, <laughs> talked to me like a, at a at a cookout or something speaking of cookouts and was just kind of asking like I think how the podcast was going and stuff and just said like speaking of LeBron was like yeah man I'm just like I, I can't root for LeBron anymore and I was like what are you like what are you talking about I mean I think I was honestly like what what do you do like basketball wise or something then he was like just the how he views police and I think he had like tweeted something or, or whatnot whatever and he's like yeah and he's like and like you know, I, you know I know my you know my friend is a cop the other day he pulled over like uh young black kid and he like walked up to his window and he's just like shaking like on the steering wheel like shaking and terrified and he's like that's just like like that's he he's already thinking about the police that way and he's picking he's picking that way of thinking up from people like lebron like lebron and i'm just like I, <laughs> oh I gosh like, that's that, sad you, that's sad that he thinks it came from lebron like thinking yep. that because people are speaking out about police stuff now it's like oh that that's why black kids are scared of police now it's like you completely yeah. like you're like just over your head like yeah uh, just a basic historical knowledge of yeah what what goes on um, yeah that's sad that's sad it's like had he had he never heard that black people have to have that police conversation you know I'm, like you know other families talk about birds and the bees. We have to have those too, but we also have to have conversations with I our, remember especially black sons about how to, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, no, sir. The police, how to survive an interaction with the police, like not, not how to, I remember right, not how to just talk, but we have like, how do you survive? How do you come home from an interaction with the police? To bring it full circle. I remember enough of the conversation that I did bring that up. Did you? And then yeah, this person proceeded to, uh, again, it was like a very as contentious as it sounds. It was a very like uh, amicable conversation, but That's it was. Uh, but we vehemently disagreed, obviously. But it was just stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh, man. Like, I don't. Yeah. How, where do yeah. I begin actually with it's this? Not, this this is in this is in the culture, right? I mean, and there's no one black culture, right? But one thing that's true of all black American cultures, people, families, is that we have conversations about the police. I mean, it goes back. Before Rodney King, but he's a he's a prominent memory in I think the '90s that he was beat by the police and it yeah. was recorded. Um, it was recorded. It was one of the first times that this type of thing was recorded. And it's like see world to see what the police are doing. But you can go back to the civil rights movement, right? Yeah. And then all the way to today, you know, George Floyd. Like, uh, <clears throat> is it likely that every black person is going to be abused and beat up and killed by the police? No, but. But are you going to take that risk? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and I could share stories uh, about my interactions with the police um, being followed, uh, being pulled over time and time again in mm. Newport News, 757. Mm. Um, just Shout like, out. and I'm, I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I feel like I'm driving like everybody else. Why me? You know? And it, it's, so it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a reality. We can't, um, going back to the, what the pastor had uh, said, uh, we can't be naive, even if we want to be, especially yeah. if we have a microphone and people that we're teaching, we can't, we can't afford to be naive. Um, and yes, he was talking about what he felt in his heart 
towards that woman. But I would be like, there are other cultural things at play besides what you think about her. Um, and she might be, <laughs> she might be thinking those things and that's okay for you to have that thought, right? It's okay. Based on the history of race relations in our country and living in a suburban neighborhood, it is not absurd to think that a woman would have those thoughts about a, a large black man walking towards her, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is what we're swimming in. Um, so it is okay that you would take precaution in that moment until you know that this is your neighbor. She knows you and things are at peace. Yeah, right? I don't, so, yeah. I don't want to conflate things, but it's not completely different from, I, like, I don't want my wife or daughter when she gets older to be in certain situations where she would feel unsafe around men. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to say, look, don't believe the worst. Just believe, believe the best until proven otherwise. No, like proven otherwise could be extremely terrible. <laughs> I'm okay with taking some precautions. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think yeah. we, we mostly all understand this stuff when it's not about race all too often. Right. And I right, think it's, right. some of it's so basic. I'm like, that's race. not, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think, I don't yeah. think that guy, like the, pastor did anything wrong i get what he's saying from a you know a moral view and character view but like you said i think i think you're responsible to bring it full circle with the transparency with conversations this person with the lebron thing and the police i remember like had a great conversation and then later messaged me said like, oh yeah no i'd love to like talk more sent me like an hour-long interview of this politician he said I, like this person makes some really good points would love for you to listen to it i listened I, I did i listened to the whole thing didn't you know didn't take notes do anything like that i was like yeah okay all right i listened to it got back to him i was like hey listen to it love to hear what your thoughts on it were discuss it um you know just let me know i didn't like put all my eggs in that basket like oh my god i can't wait to right. do it like he's definitely gonna respond but you know i thought we were close enough like had a long enough conversation i'm like this could be interesting this would be a good opportunity to have these conversations that everyone wants to have and crickets. So I'm just saying, like, I did the work. I watched the video that was, ex like, uh, you know, not something I would have watched before. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to hear this out. I had no problem, like, figuring out. Like, it was extremely easy to see what he wanted me to see and to know what I disagreed with, but that's fine. But crickets. And so it's just, you know, like, what, what I've gotten, I'm left thinking, Okay, would I had would I have had crickets if I would have said, "Hey, man, you're right. I'm convinced. Thanks for the video. Loved it. What was I thinking? You know, yeah. let's meet. Like, probably not. I think he would have been. Yeah, let's get together yeah. now. Uh, or yep. in the morning. You know. So anyway. All right, John Mark. We're with that. We're out about. We're a little over an hour. So I'm gonna call. Let's call an audible. Listeners, we're going to break this up in two parts because we got a little bit more to talk, talk about. We don't want to cut it short, but also we don't want to expect you to listen for an infinity amount of time. So, you guys, <laughs> thank you for listening. We really hope this has been helpful. Um, if you are interested to hear more about on this topic, um, please, um, oh, I don't know if both will be out at the same time, but either click over to whenever you're depending when you're listening or be on the lookout on the lookout for part two of this conversation thank you guys the music you're listening to was done by our guy dylan dent 
our artwork was created by Ashley Bush. And we'll see you guys over on part two. The nightmare might scare you, no worse than reality. They hunt you by day, y'all rob me in my Arbery. Everybody got a time, but that's less than comforting. I hope I'm alive by the time they choose to come for me. Mosquitoes in the vein, or leeches on my soul. This money on my mind is a fracture of my bones. You get crippled by continuing existence like a ghost. And they wonder why we drink, and they wonder why we smoke. And they wonder why we think that everything's a joke. I'm shocked that we can sleep, must be the thought of letting go. Thank you.